0: The Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals presents the timeless teaching of Dr. Donald Gray Barnhouse.
1: The force of what I am saying is not merely in the fact that all wrongs shall be recognized before God, but that all wrongs shall be recognized before God in the presence of those who have been wronged and who will be raised and joined to Christ before that moment. Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are ye unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know ye not that we shall judge angels? How much more than the things that pertain to this life?
0: The message we'll be featuring on today's edition of Dr. Barnhouse and the Bible is entitled Ruling with Him. The popular film Braveheart depicted the struggle of the Scottish people against the tyrannical English king. They eventually won their independence and forged a free nation under their new king. The world lies under the influence of the devil and godless human governments, but Jesus will establish his kingdom and overthrow all who oppress his people. Do you realize it is your destiny to rule with Christ in righteousness? The scripture text for this edition of Dr. Barnhouse and the Bible, Romans chapter 6 and verse 3. Here again is Dr. Donald Gray Barnhouse with a message entitled, Ruling with Him.
1: Through the Lord Jesus Christ we come unto thee, our Father and our God, and in the Holy Spirit. We have come to think upon thee with eagerness and pleasure, for in Christ We have lost all thought of fright concerning thee, and have come to know thee in him. The terrors of thy justice have been stilled forever, when thou didst strike him instead of us, and thus we are at peace. Speak in this day to each redeemed heart, to bring growth in spiritual things, and we pray for any who are not believers that they may come to see the Savior for their own personal need. We ask it through Jesus Christ. Amen. We return once more to our subject baptized into Jesus Christ. We are identified into the Lord Jesus in every phase of his being and work from past eternity to future eternity. From glory into glory, into coming glory. In our last study, we saw our union with him in the first phase of his second coming. We now proceed to study our union with him in the work that will follow his return. The Bible everywhere sets forth that Christ shall triumph over this earth. We are to be joined with him in that triumph. Sin began in this earth. Sin shall be put down in this earth. If we are to comprehend the certain phases of this truth, we must put aside much that we have learned from the poets and return to the Bible. Many truths of the scriptures are obscured by the incidental errors that are found in the poems of Dante and Milton and Goethe. We can never fully estimate the amount of spiritual damage that has been done by the widespread study of the Inferno, of Paradise Lost, Paradise Regained, and Faust. These are great works of literature indeed, beautiful masterpieces. Mighty brains took hold of Bible truths. And in order to put them into poetry, added error from the great stock that lies in human imagination and thus perpetuated false doctrine in popular form that was easily absorbed since by the law of fallen nature, error is more easily learned than truth. Sin began in this universe when Lucifer, who had been created and established by God as prince of this world, decided that he would exercise his own will instead of the will of God. I will ascend into heaven, he cried. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Thus, sin began in the universe. In a violent attempt by Lucifer to leave earth, as the sphere of his government, and to extend it to heaven. In the light of this, we can well understand the prayer of the Lord Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane when he communed with the Father before the cross. Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son may also glorify thee. I have glorified thee upon the earth. There are few words in the Bible that have deeper significance. In them lies the key to the understanding of the invisible warfare that has raged since the moments of Satan's rebellion. I have glorified thee on the earth. There is the triumph of Christ over the enemy. When he died upon the cross, he made a show of Satan openly and triumphed over him in it, taking a spoil from all the principalities and powers, as we read in Colossians 2.15, reducing them to a position of nothingness in the sight of the universe of angels and in the sight of those believers who lay hold upon these truths by faith. In the light of the sentence which has been pronounced, we must see the final execution of that sentence and our union with the Lord Jesus Christ in that triumph. Today, we read in Hebrews, we see not yet all things put under his feet, but by faith we see the promise fulfilled. And as we look closely at the word of Revelation, we discover that we are to be associated with the Lord Jesus Christ in that final reign and triumph. Is the Lord Jesus Christ to rule over his enemies? Most plainly, we're told that we are to be joined with him in that rule. There are two remarkable verses, one in the Old Testament and one in the New, which, when placed together, teach this union in our triumph with him. The first of these verses is in the second psalm. This is one of the most remarkable of the Psalms, for it is a drama in dialogue, and perhaps the most powerful ever written. If the second Psalm is rearranged and printed as a Shakespeare drama is printed, we can readily comprehend it as being a prophecy of the final defeat of all evil and the final triumph of God's righteousness in Christ. Let me read that Psalm as a group of people might read Shakespearean drama. The Holy Spirit speaks. Why do the nations rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. The rulers speak. Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. The Holy Spirit speaks. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. God the Father speaks. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. The Lord Jesus Christ the Son speaks. I will declare the decree. And unrolling a scroll he reads. The Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the nations for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. God the Father speaks. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. The Holy Spirit speaks. Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings. Be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Embrace the Son, lest he be angry, and ye perish from the way when his wrath is kindled only a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. Now there are mighty truths, mighty truths hidden in this conversation that was held in heaven between God, God, and God. When he, our God, in his triune nature took counsel with himself, the eternal decree was established And in the fullness of time it shall all be accomplished today if you read it closely his wrath is kindled but a little only a little and therefore there is no great judgment upon men the door of grace still stands open wide and those who will come in are yet welcome but the day of grace will draw to a close and the lord will move to destroy our present civilization with all its satanic undertones and will establish his kingdom of righteousness and justice in its place. This establishment of the kingdom will not come by any gentle, orderly procedure of the efforts of man, even of ecclesiastical man. This work will be a profound cataclysm, which will be brought about by the overturning power of God alone. Now, the reason why we bring this picture into our present study is that there is another verse in the New Testament, which is the second of the two I mentioned and which forthrightly associates us with our Lord in this overturning, judging work. For as in the Psalms, we read that God Almighty said, he shall break with a rod of iron, Christ shall dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. In the book of Revelation, chapter two and verse 26, we read, and he that overcometh, and that's the believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, He that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received of my father, and I will give him the morning star. Now the morning star is the light that shines before the darkest hour, the dark hour that precedes the rising of the sun. Interestingly enough, If you look at the last verses in the book of Malachi, the end of the Old Testament, we find that that Old Testament ends with the prophecy that Israel shall know the son of righteousness arising with healing in his wings. The order is evident. The church shall be taken out of this world before the dark hour of the tribulation. We shall know the morning star. We shall be joined to Christ in his judgment work. Then comes the dark hour. And then the Lord Jesus shall establish Israel to reign over the earth and the sun will rise for them. It is evident that our identification with Christ joins us to him in this work of triumph. The overcoming one does not speak of any special brand of Christians, for the overcomer is always the whole true church of Christ. For we read in 1 John 5, verses 4 and 5, for whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? Now, putting all of these passages together, we see clearly that this world and all its ideals and methods shall be overthrown by the Lord Jesus Christ, and that he shall rule with a rod of iron, dashing his enemies to pieces as a potter's vessel. We shall be with him and already like him when this takes place, and we shall share in that triumph. The world shall know that it has been wrong and that we have been right. Every individual act of wrongdoing shall be made manifest, and full truth will prevail. The scene is described briefly in the last book of the Bible, but in such a way that we can use it as the eyepiece of a telescope to explore the vast universe of incidents that are hidden within the one verse. The text is put in symbolic words, but the key is to be seen by all who know the Bible, the word of God. Writing to one of the seven churches of Asia, the risen Lord Jesus says, I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are God's people and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee. Now through this verse, we can see the scene of the judgment of the lost. Cain will be forced to come before the Lord. And while Abel is standing by Christ as the bride by the bridegroom, Cain will be forced to bow the knee to the Lord. Acknowledge that Abel was right and that he himself had been wrong. And then seeing the full force of eternal truth and the love of God for Abel, Cain will be sent to the lake of fire forever with the full knowledge in his mind that he had made the unalterable choice and had refused the love of God and had gone after his own way in self-will. The men who mocked Noah when he preached will be brought before the Lord while Noah stands, acknowledged before the universe, and will be forced to bow the knee to the Lord, recognizing that Noah was right and that God had loved him. And then they will be sent on their way to the solitary confinement that is the lot of every lost soul forever. The men who visited Job with plausible platitudes and who declared that Job's condition must be the result of a judgment upon secret sin, will be brought before the Lord while Job stands by vindicated. And they will be compelled to acknowledge that God had loved Job, even in the midst of his sorest trial, and that he had known truth while they had been in the maze of human thinking in error. The men who mocked the Lord Jesus and who judged him, Caiaphas, Pilate, Herod, and the rest, shall be brought to acknowledge that they were totally wrong and that Christ was totally right. The people who sat in the arenas of Rome while Christians were thrown to the lions shall be forced to kneel in an arena of shame while they acknowledge that the Lord of their victims is the one true Lord, and that the martyrs had chosen the better part. No wrong of history will remain unrighted. No personal, individual wrong shall remain hidden. The men who taunted Luther shall be forced to their knees before Christ, while Luther stands by the throne of Christ. The men and women who were tortured and racked by the Inquisitors will be brought to the side of Christ, while the Torquemadas of earth are forced to their knees before the Lord in the presence of their victims before being sent to eternal punishment. The modernists of our day, who have ridiculed the lowly fundamentalist for believing in the virgin birth of our Lord, in his deity, and in the inspiration of the scriptures, will be brought to their knees in the presence of Christ, while those who have been laughed at, will be seen in union with Christ in sharing the acknowledgement. There will be no man remaining in the universe who will not have been forced to recognize every wrong which he perpetrated against one of the Lord's redeemed children. The Soviets of Russia, before they are sent to the lake of fire, will be forced to acknowledge God and that all those whom they sent to the forests of Siberia and the wastes of the Arctic North were indeed in Christ and righteous. In that coming day, we shall be joined to Christ while the world of scholarship is compelled to recognize that the Bible is verbally inspired and that we were right in trusting in its eternal truths. Every cultist who has followed the vagaries of false doctrine will be forced to admit that his religion was devilish and that there is no truth outside of that which is set forth in the person and work of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. The force of what I am saying is not merely in the fact that all wrongs shall be recognized before God, but that all wrongs shall be recognized before God in the presence of those who have been wronged and who will be raised and joined to Christ before that moment. The reason given why Christians should be men of peace and not men of litigation is in the phrase, Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are ye unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know ye not that we shall judge angels? How much more than the things that pertain to this life? Now, surely it must be realized in the light of all these verses that we are to be identified with the Lord Jesus Christ in all the matters of his coming government and glory. Because a saint, of course, in the New Testament sense, is any, any, any believer. In the Lord Jesus Christ, some poor man may be sodden with sin, who goes into a rescue mission, perhaps partly drunken, and who truly believes in the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world, and who is born again through faith in the blood of Christ. That man in that instant is a saint, because when God makes a saint, he does not do it by exalting the man, but by exalting the Lord Jesus Christ. So it is of us believers that he says, know ye not that the saints shall judge the world, shall judge angels. Furthermore, the present knowledge of our identification with the Lord Jesus Christ in all matters of right makes it easy for us to take the long view of things at present and to be unconcerned about our personal rights and privileges. In the midst of the great psalm about the scriptures, David sings, great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. Is it possible to live at peace without being offended at the wrongs and slights which come to us during life? It is if we know that we have been joined to the Lord Jesus Christ and that all wrongs will be righted when the Lord comes because we are identified with him. There are only two kinds of statements that can be made about a believer. It's possible for someone to say something about me or you, which is true, and it's also possible for someone to say something about us, which is false. But well, what should our reaction be in either case? If we discover that someone is telling something about us that is derogatory to us, and our hearts know that the thing is true, we should bow before the Lord and ask forgiveness for having dishonored his name. And at the same time, we can thank him that he allowed only a small percentage of the wrong we have done to have become public knowledge. And we can praise him for his grace in that. But someone intervenes to say that they are never hurt when someone speaks the truth about them. What they can't stand is when someone lies about them. To such a one, we would answer that the Lord says that when a Christian is the object of a lie, it's the equivalent of receiving the Medal of Honor for distinguished service in battle. The Lord said, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Now it was in this light that Paul wrote to the Corinthians. With me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment, literally of man's day. Yea, he said, I judge not mine own self, for I know nothing by myself. Yet am I not hereby justified, but he that judgeth me is the Lord. Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts. And then shall every man have praise of God. Every believer shall have praise of God. Like him in heaven, with him in heaven, Joined to him forever, ruling with him forever, this is our glorious position. And that position is the eternal oneness of Christ with the Father, our eternal oneness with him. He communed with the Father the night before his cross and said, praying for all who should believe in him throughout all the ages, neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou hast given me, I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one. This is the glory that lies before us because we have been identified into Christ baptized into Christ, identified with him by the baptism of the Holy Spirit that takes us from our eternal calling in the past even down to our eternal reign in glory in the future, made one with Christ forever. It is the greatness of this concept which should be one of the foremost factors in our spiritual edification, that we may grow in grace and in the knowledge of Christ that we may understand that the wonder of our high position of being in Christ should call us to a life of yieldedness and holiness. Constraining love must ever draw us onward into the eternal purpose so that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. And our God and Father, we pray thee that the Holy Spirit shall take the word to each heart If there should be any listening who have not been born again, give them restlessness until they come to rest in Christ. But upon all thy believing own, may thy grace, thy mercy, thy peace abide. And unto thee be the glory and the majesty, the dominion and the power, now, until our Lord Jesus come again and forever. Amen.
0: Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. God will richly reward all who stand firm in the faith and overcome the evil one by their testimony for Christ. We hope you have benefited from today's message by Dr. Barnhouse entitled, Ruling with Him. You can listen to additional Bible teaching by the late Dr. Donald Gray Barnhouse anytime, anywhere around the globe via the internet by visiting the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals website at alliancenet.org. An audio copy of today's teaching is available by calling us toll-free 1-800-488-1888. Today's message again is entitled, Ruling with Him, or simply request message number R6-18. We would also like to make available to you a free copy of our booklet entitled, How the Holy Spirit Relates to You. For many Christians, the Holy Spirit remains the most mysterious and misunderstood member of the Trinity. Controversial and contradictory teachings about his person and work further cloud the issue. This free booklet cuts through the confusion with clear biblical truth. You will take a significant leap towards spiritual maturity when you understand who the Holy Spirit is and how he works in the life of a believer. Ask for your free copy of How the Holy Spirit Relates to You When You Call or Write. Dr. Barnhouse and the Bible is a radio ministry of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals headquartered in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. We exist to promote a biblical understanding and worldview. Drawing upon the insight and wisdom of Reformation theologians from decades and even centuries gone by, we seek to provide contemporary Christian teaching materials which will equip believers to understand and meet the challenges and opportunities of our time and place. Dr. Barnhouse and the Bible comes to you through the generous gifts of our listeners. If you have benefited from the broadcast and would like it to continue, please prayerfully consider a donation to help us keep this ministry on the air. For more information or to make a contribution to support and further our work, please contact us by writing Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals, Box 2000, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, 19103. Call toll-free 1-800-488-1888 or visit us online at Alliancenet.org.